man, you gotta get a, you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something. That's terrible. That'll kill us. You like that? You like that? I'm just about that action, boss. You cannot lose games in the NFL and still win. You are listening to Run the Film with Kirk Morrison and Ted Nguyen, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 as always, to the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Run the Film with Kirk Morrison, myself, and then my guy, Ted Nguyen. A championship weekend, championship Sunday a champion NFC AFC championship edition is what we call this episode. And Ted, we had going into the weekend, right? Kansas city, Tennessee for the right to win the AFC championship. And then in the NFC green Bay traveling to San Francisco, or I like to say Santa Clara, but still it's traveling to San Francisco to take on the 49ers and going in. I think we both had our picks. I, I want to say that, we both really felt confident that it was going to be a Chiefs and 49ers Super Bowl. I think we picked them right, but I, I don't know if it was really that hard of a decision, Ted. Just your early thoughts on uh, our picks before we dive more into the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, we picked, there was two pretty clear, I think, favorites for these two games, I, you know, the, the Titans had a nice run, but we, I think everybody felt like that it was, it'd just be way too tough to stop the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, and, and that proved to be right. I mean, you know, they they didn't have Ryan Tannehill pass for over 100 yards in their first two wins, and this was the first real game where uh, they couldn't just keep handing the ball off to Derrick Henry uh, because they had to keep up with, with the, uh, the Chiefs, and they had to have Tannehill pass 31 times, and he had a decent game, but he just couldn't do enough to um, get past Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't think it was enough at all. Um, there was just to me, like, we, we kind of knew, like, going into this weekend, it's like, uh, I, I'm one, and I'll be honest, Ted, uh, for what we'd like to do, let's just talk football. And, yeah, we could talk about the X's and O's and, and things like that. But I think if for Tennessee, uh, they are still, I think, an involving offense. And I don't know if I really want to talk about that for the next two weeks. <laughs> so I think the Kansas City Chiefs were a better storyline. And then when it comes with San Francisco and Green Bay, I could see similar storylines between the uh, the two. But I felt like San Francisco offered more um, for our plate, right, for the next two weeks to be able to dive into and really watch some of the film and go back not just from this week, but or from Championship Sunday, but go back to throughout the season and in ga- games and just kind of just relish at the play calling by whether Kyle Shanahan or Eric Bieniemy slash Andy Reid, but just sit back and watch the way these offenses really go and operate. And so I think this was probably the one I wanted most, this matchup I wanted most, because it does give me the opportunity to see why these teams were so great throughout the season. And then on top of that, I just really feel like they are really equal. And I, so far, when Las Vegas says it's a point and a half point spread, that to me tells me that wow. this they, they have no idea. That that to me they tells me is that, yeah, they had to pick a favorite just because we you have to pick somebody. But when I get a one and a half point spread, to me that's just straight up even. That is basically, hey, both these teams are equal in talent. And right now they don't know which way this thing could go. Yeah, no, it's uh, pretty – I mean, I, I also think about this last night. Like, I really have no idea who's going to win this game mm-hmm. uh, because 
you know, with well, first you have to first the two best play callers in the NFL, I think, uh, in in this game, like you said, with Air, uh, with Andy Reid and Eric. Uh, I can't pronounce. Yeah, the enemy. Yeah. Enemy? Uh-huh, the enemy. The enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and and Kyle Shanahan, and you know, I, I've been covering the Niners all for you know three years now with the Athletic SF, so I, I've pretty much seen everything Shanahan has done, and you could kind of tell early on, or at least I, I thought that you know this is going to be a pretty special offense once they once they get a quarterback and they finally get some weapons, just because you know he was scheming guys open. Uh, mm-hmm. even with very little talent and you know they couldn't capitalize all the time but you could see that uh what he's doing is, is really smart and special and it, it you know they got Jimmy Garoppolo they got some weapons George Kittle emerged they got Debo Samuel they got Emmanuel Sanders and you know they're they're stable running backs and now everybody's starting to see this offense really come to life I know what let's just start right there let's dive in right there on the NFC championship game between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. We worked all year to get to this spot right here, man. Yeah. We knew we had to earn this for the next one. Yeah. But you guys know this isn't the one we set out to get, right? Yes, sir. All right, we didn't set out to get this one. A hell of accomplishment by everyone in here. That was as cool of a game as I've been a part of, man. Enjoy tonight, enjoy each other. All right, guys, but the starting to finishing our goals the right way, it starts tomorrow. Yeah. This whole first week is the biggest jump you can get on that team, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have been there before. It's hectic as can be when we get down there. Yeah. I haven't made the whole schedule up yet, but you're getting <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll head out to Miami on Sunday, all right, guys? Hey, guys, hell of a deal, man. Love and appreciate you all, man. This is great. All right, turn the music on. Let's get party. To get a trophy handed you by anyone is, is really cool, but um, especially, you know, Jed making my dad an honorary captain. And Jed told me it was special for his mom when um, his uncle handed them her a trophy before they win. And Jed planned all that and did that. And it was pretty cool to, I didn't know what was going on, but it was pretty cool that it happened there at the end. It was pretty special. I did have a lot of doubters and naysayers. And now I get to actually tell them, hey, look look where I'm at now. You know, I never gave up on my dream. I never gave up on, on the opportunities when it presented itself. And I always worked hard, no matter what. It, it's crazy that I've been on seven different teams. I actually still have, you know, the cut dates and I look at that every, before every game. Not everybody can deal with that type of stress and and uh, pain and agony that I went through. Like I said, I just, I kept the faith in not only myself, but whoever gave me the opportunity and this organization has done a great job with that. Ted, what did you see that just really, to me, that we probably didn't think about before the game started? Well, I think we all knew that Green Bay's run defense is not their strength. Correct. You know, um, Mike Pettin, re- he, he's he gives you a bunch of different looks, uh, he, but he never almost never does the same look twice. He's very unpredictable. Uh, but all that is to stop the run, uh, stop the pass, and confuse you in the passing game. But as far as run defense, he's one of those defensive coordinators that will stop the run second because he believes stopping the passes do the key to uh, stopping offenses, but with Kyle Shanahan and uh, Mike, Mike McDaniel, their run uh, offense coordinator, they came in this game and said, you know, we're going to attack them on a run and we're going to keep going. And this was an unbelievable rushing game for the Niners. I mean, if you saw the, if you look back and saw a stat line without watching the game, you saw Jimmy Garoppolo only pass <laughs> 40 yards. There's right. no way you would think that the Niners won you know, nonetheless, blow them out of the water. So it, it was just a really, uh, it was, I think it, this, even though Kyle Chan is a great play caller, this is more of a testament to 
that offense and that offensive line and George Kittle and how they, they just manhandled that Green Bay um, offensive front. I mean, 37-20, San Francisco 49ers win this football game, but at halftime, it was 27-0. to zero. I mean, there was mm-hmm. just no way that Green Bay was going to come back, not in San Francisco, not in a situation in which the 49ers defense was playing as well as they were. The 49ers defense did – I mean, they, they made the Green Bay Packers really one-dimensional, right? And because they got down, you know, so quickly as well that the Packers had to abandon their run game. I thought that Aaron Jones was actually running, had a couple of early runs that were kind of effective. If Had they the game been in balance or been close, I think they could have stayed in rhythm. But instead, they had to throw it, you know, 39 times. But to me, the biggest thing that I saw in this game, right, is not just necessarily Raheem Mostert and the gay that he had. I mean, that's a playoff game, let alone playoff game, a championship game for the ages, right? 29 carries, 220 yards, four touchdowns. And to me, he was the best back on the field over Aaron Jones, over Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. You can start naming the backs, and yet here's a guy, Ted, and you cover this team, and I'm watching in the biggest moment for the San Francisco 49ers, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was their fourth team running back going into training camp because I thought that Tevin Coleman was going to be the lead back. We'll see what Jarek McKinnon can do. Matt Breida was there. And then you have Raheem Mostert, who's your special teams backup running back guy who they signed to a, a to a, I call it a meager three-year, $8.6 million contract. But here's a guy that just waited, just stayed patient, did what he can continue to do, which is play, play kick but on special teams and then got his opportunity and he was the best back and maybe even the best player on the field yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I believe they did sign him with just the intention of making him a special teams player and emergency, emergency running back. Uh, but we, we, we saw some flashes that he could run uh, in preseason and in camp, uh, but he just got hot at the right time. I think it was during the Baltimore. Yeah. It was during the Ravens game. Um, with the Niners in week 12 when he started getting carries and he just kept on producing yards. And uh, I don't, I don't think he's one of those backs that are, that has special traits as far as explosiveness. I mean, he does have pretty good speed, but uh, it's not like he, you know, is going to blow you out of the water with his testing numbers. But I think he's just really good with staying patient on outside on those outside zone runs and just really pressing the outside and making his cut at the perfect time. And it's just kind of, you know, another one of those long line of running backs that the Shanahan's find out of nowhere that are just really good at having a feel for the outside zone game and and making those cuts. And uh, Mostert certainly looks like one of those guys. You know, one of the things that uh, really impressed me when when I look at the play calling for this game is that, and and I'll, you know, bring up and and praise him as well, but George Kittle had literally one catch on one target. Yet, Ted, he was the most dominant player on the field. Like, it's crazy to say that, but he was dominant. Any guy who lined up on him, he was pushing five, six, seven, eight yards down the field in the run game. He was uh, – I've never seen a guy dominate a game, but yet had one catch. And so one thing that I was seeing is is that when they were running the outside zone to the outside – uh, they either had a short corner or it was a design. We have to get out to the edge. We're going to get it all the way out to the perimeter regardless. More so on the downhill zone run, 
which is a little bit different. It's designed more for a cutback. And I saw that the attention that George Kittle is getting each and every play is that when he's on the backside of a run, meaning that they start the run toward the opposite tight end, right? To toward like a, a dwelly side, that they would start the run toward the opposite tight end and the respect of Kittle would have a defensive end who's either head up or to the outside to get a jam on him, right? To not let him off the line of scrimmage easy. So you have not only that for a defense, but then you also have the safety or the guy who has him in coverage who is two to three yards off. And when George Kittle blocks back or out, then all of a sudden you've got two guys in one spot. And Raheem Mostert was just cutting back to that alley because all the action is going one way. Kittle's blocking out and it created just that wide gap over and over and over again. I just thought that was great game planning by Kyle Shanahan, right? It was, hey, cave everything down with the tackles and the guards, get motion going one way, get the action going one way and let George Kittle just literally turn out. Like, he's just turning out. He didn't have really have to block. It was just space blocking. And it was just wide open for Raheem Mostert. That was one of their more successful runs throughout the game. Yeah, no, I, you know, Kittle obviously is going to get all the attention. He does, he should, but, you know, the other two tight ends did a, um, a pretty good job at blocking as mm-hmm. well because they were running away from Kittle. And when you're running away from Kittle, uh, the edge block on the other side has to be has to be very good. Correct. And they did their jobs on the other side. And like you said, Kittle created a lot of those um, cutback lanes. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I thought no, I would never see a tight end as dominant as Gronkowski at blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for a while, I, I was like, you know, Kittle's very, very good, best in the game, but I don't think he'll ever get to Gronkowski's level. But I'm starting to think, you know, that maybe it, he, he can be better than Gronkowski. Be, and it's different because, you know, the Patriots ran a lot of gap scheme stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And the Niners run a lot of out, outside zone stuff. Um, but he, he just does it so well. And you hardly ever see him miss a block. And he's almost always dominating on uh, down after down. Yeah, I, I think Gronk kind of stands in a... In a, in a uh, kind of stands alone when it comes to tight ends um, because I haven't seen George Kittle yet, and maybe this could be part of his game, but he's such a, a great in-line tight end, right? He can line on the line of scrimmage, whereas, I mean, Rob Gronkowski could line up, you know, single side by himself, like at it, as an yeah. ex-receiver, okay, yeah. and was comfortable in that situation. Like, I think about the play he made in the Super Bowl uh, against the Rams, right? He's just running up the scene as a wide receiver. So his skill set into the way they could line him up. I think that's something that George Kittle can probably get to, but I think he's just so effective because of his ability to block and yet he's can be in the same stance and next thing you know he's running uh, a seam route or an over route for about 20 yards. You're like, how did that happen? So that that's where I think that he kind of stands uh as as an emerging tight end. But but kind of going back to or I hope we don't bury the lead here, but Jimmy Garoppolo six of eight 77 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But how do you think he, he kind of managed those eight attempts? Was it to you, Ted? Did he? Did, did we miss something here, or is just that the dominant of the run domination of the run game really allowed Jimmy to not have to throw the ball? And is that sustainable going against the Chiefs? Well, I mean, 
he there was one pass that was almost intercepted that I was like, oh boy. Yes. Like you know, yeah, you Kevin King got Garoppolo. right in front of yeah. that one. Yeah. Exactly, and I was like, that's game. You know that that was early in the game when they were starting to build a lead, and if he caught that, you know, who knows what what would have happened. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, he he they didn't ask a lot out of him. A lot of his passes were pretty open too, and uh, they didn't they didn't have to uh, they didn't have to pass it. So you know, I didn't I think that it wasn't an issue of trusting Jimmy Garoppolo. It was just an issue of our game plan is to pound as uh, Green Bay Packers front and. They did it, and you know, obviously against the Chiefs, this unless they dominate the Chiefs front like they did against Green Bay, which I don't think they'll do, but I, I think they'll have some success running against that Chiefs front too. Uh, but they'll need Garoppolo to, uh, you know, pass a lot more than eight times game. Yeah, a couple more minutes on this game before we take a look at the AFC Championship game. But um, another guy who another standout in this game, and and this is what I think the 49ers what makes them so special is always like a next man up mentality, right? Because Emmanuel Mosley was a guy who wasn't a starter before the season started. He was just kind of working his way in and, and just his hard work and his work ethic really has paid off. And he's really taken that corner opposite Richard Sherman away from Akella Weatherspoon. It was like they were going back and forth. Who's in, who's out, who's going to play. And I think he Mosley and him, him having an interception as well in the game and making some crucial tackles, I thought he's really solidified that spot, and he's really given the 49ers a nice little trio of corners with Kawan Williams, who played exceptional again in the slot. You don't hear his name much, but, man, he just plays solid. Uh, he actually had a sack for his fumble in the game, right? Marie came in and blitzed and got Aaron Rodgers and got the ball out. But Richard Sherman gave up a deep, ba- deep pass, but – it wasn't uh, anything crazy, just taking a shot. Devontae Adams, hey, that happens in the game. But Sherman got his last laugh with the interception. And so when you look at that secondary now in- entering Emmanuel Mosley, how do they kind of compare possibly to the Chiefs? So th- this is going to be difficult because mm-hmm. the Chiefs have a lot of speed. And this Niner secondary, um, as good as they are and as good as Sherman has been, they don't have a ton of speed um, and it's just difficult to match up with the, the chief speed. I mean, sh- you know, you saw Sherman get beat deep and, uh, that doesn't happen often because he's so smart, but there's going to be times where they're just going to put, they're going to put Tyreek Hill on him. And if, the, if he misses a jam or, uh, he hesitates for a second, you know, Tyreek Hill's going to be able to get behind him. So, uh, this secondary is not a good matchup against the, the chiefs and not many teams are, uh, but, it's going to come down to the pass rush. If they can harass Patrick Mahomes uh, with the four-man rush, which they have the ability to do, that's going to make up for a lot of the lack of speed in the secondary. Yeah, I think so. Like the lack of, um, to me, is maybe if the Chiefs start spreading things out, you know, how will the 49ers handle that? If they're not able to get the pass rush here, like you mentioned, um, you know, what do they do? Because, man, it's just a matchup that I can't wait to just break down, right? How, how are the Chiefs? are going to present against this monster of a defense of the 49ers. And I think last thing before we get out of here, um, before we move over to the next game, I really honestly thought that, you know, sometimes I think we we learn like what failure also brings success, right? You fail to succeed, right? We've seen athletes say it all the time. People say it all the time. It's just something that we use. But I think about the, the failure of Kyle Shanahan, right? and him being the offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons playing against the Patriots. They're up 28, three 
and continue to try to throw the ball a little bit. That we are who we are, and they ended up costing them. They lost that football game to the Patriots. They lost the Super Bowl. I think in the same situation, we found out on Championship Sunday that he's learned from his mistakes. And Jimmy Garoppolo not throwing the football from the end of the second quarter, like before the half, all the way into like the fourth quarter, not attempting a pass. That was just a coach who learns, who understands the situation and says that this game is about possessions and we're not going to give them any more than they need to. And I thought that was huge for the 49ers moving forward, which I think ultimately not, not just helped them win a champion, a NFC championship, but now they can take that over and they can bring that same sort of mentality against the chiefs, which can help them win a Super Bowl Now. No, I absolutely agree. He had you know, a great game plan stuck with it. And, um, yeah, the Packers almost had. I mean, they had a little comeback spurt, but it stuck with the run, and they they just kept scoring and couldn't stop them. So, kudos to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Um, watching what they they built the last three years, you can see the signs that something great was coming. And um, you know, I don't think any of us could have predicted a Super Bowl this this soon, but they're they're there. So, congratulations to the Niners. Yeah, congratulations to the San Francisco 49ers. They will take on the winner of the AFC matchup, the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, being able to do it at home, being able to win the Lamar Hunt Trophy here and uh, do it for the, the, the fans and everybody like that was awesome. Uh, uh, we fell short last year, and we, and we learned from it, and uh, we built every single day, and, and, and now we have the chance to go to go to Miami and, and get the ultimate goal, which is the Super Bowl. I'm proud of our team for the effort that they uh, showed today. Um, never die is kind of their their thing. I mean, it's getting behind like this, tough on an old guy, but they're, they're, they did a nice job coming back, and Fired up to go to Miami. Need to get on a diet so I can fit in my clothes so we can go do our thing. But very proud, very proud of uh, everybody and the job that they did, the coaches and coordinators for the plan that they had. Well, it's been, I believe, 50 since the last time the Chiefs were here in the Super Bowl in this position. So I only got a little bit of that taste compared to everybody in this organization, everybody in this city. And um, even though this fire in my in my chest is burning hard for the, for everybody in this uh, this organization, um, you know I think um, I think getting there and winning it is uh, is is what the mindset is, and uh, and we can't stop until we get it. Look, when you looked at the game between Tennessee and, and Kansas City, we knew the storyline going in was on the Tennessee side they're going to run the football, they're going to give it to Derrick Henry. He's you know rushed for. 150 plus yards in the previous two games and everyone said man can he do it again can the magic happen one more time whereas the other side i think it was more about the chiefs who are in the same situation they were in a year ago they're the favorites they're playing at home they're supposed to win and then you got patrick mahomes a reigning mvp it was lining up kind of to where who was going to give like who which star was going to be the star and at the end of the day it was patrick mahomes he stole the show 23 of 35, 294, three touchdowns, but it was his fourth touchdown, which was the rushing touchdown right before the half that I thought really sealed the game. Like it, they have just sealed it with the score, but I thought that was the one that really broke the, uh, broke the straw or broke the camel's back. I would say for Tennessee, as not only did they score right before the half, they came back out and scored again, coming out of halftime. Um, I mean, they had a possession again, but they didn't score. But it was just they, that was two possessions that they got basically at the end of the first half and start the third quarter that kind of put Tennessee 
and their game plan to rest. Derrick Henry, 19 carries, 69 yards. Ted, and I thought that Tennessee kind of ran out of all the stops early on. They used everything, right? And then they didn't have nothing down the stretch. No, I, you know, the, the last thing you could really do against the Kansas City Chiefs and, and the Titans after exhausting everything is just to drop back eight and try to rush three and try to slow things down with Patrick Mahomes. And then, then he takes off and keeps getting these running rushing yards on you. And it's just backbreaking for, for an offense because you're like, uh, you know, all right, we will take away these deep throws because we know the Chiefs love throwing deep. And then he, then Mahomes starts using his legs. You know, who would have expected him to break that many tackles on on a run? But he did it, and it, it's just one of those things. Like when you're a defender and you're, you know, you're going through the game plan this week. Like, all right, we're gonna drop eight. We're gonna let him run if he has to. And then, and then he he puts a run on you like that. You know, like what what do you think as a defender? I, I think you're a little upset, right? You're mad because, like, first of all, dude, where'd you get this from? Because that's not something that you see on tape a ton. With Patrick Mahomes, right? And then it's more deflating than anything, Ted, because it's those types of plays that get you to the sideline. And honestly, you start pointing fingers. Like, you point fingers at guys because you're like, well, the rushes, they're, they're not doing the job. They're not staying in their lanes. How's he even get out of the pocket, right? So now you got the D-line upset, and you got the linebackers. Well, y'all should be able to go get him and he get out the second level, right? Get off your coverage and go get him. And in the secondary, they're saying we can't cover all game. I mean, he don't. So now you, I'm literally, you, you've got three different levels who are all going to be pointing the fingers um, because some of the coverage, like if you're going to play cover two man, that means that everybody's turning their backs, and and that's something that the the 49ers, when we talk about the strategy, what's the scheme going to look like for Robert Sala and his group? Is it going to be some cover three? Or, look, there are primarily 11 personnel team, which is something that the 49ers see from the Rams a ton, but this is a different 11 personnel team, right? They, they are a team that can spread you out, and they can hand the baton off to any guy because that's how fast that they are. And so do you play the zone? Do you try to get some man principles in there? Because that run by Mahomes, yeah, it was a run for a touchdown. But, man, that's the kind of run that can keep a defensive coordinator up all night because you don't want to be in a bad call to where that happens again because that's the kind of play that can not only change a game, but I thought it kind of won them the game, like I mentioned. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's just that I think some teams have the idea that if you, you drop eight, you might be able to slow the Chiefs down. But now that they see that Mahomes is willing to run, it changes the strategy a little bit because – now, if you drop back eight, you have to worry about him keep getting the, you know, it doesn't have to be a 50-yard run like that big touchdown run. It, it could just be those five, six-yard runs that, you know, end up really hurting you later down on the line because they just keep getting on schedule. Uh, so it, it's just, this offense is just, there's so many answers they have to everything. And it, it, sometimes it's hard to analyze off the uh, the TV copy when Correct. you're watching the game, right? Because the Chiefs have so many downfield passes that you don't know, you can't see what what is going on, and you just <laughs> you are just watching Mahomes a... run around the whole time, right? You don't know if it's some scissor routes, it's an over route, it's a pick route. You don't know what's going on. It's just no, like guys are running real fast and they are moving and going in different directions. Like how did this happen? But uh, I, we mentioned Derrick Henry had the 19 carries for 69 yards. He had a touchdown early on, but. I can say this, though, Ted, to be honest, 
Um, yeah, stopping Derrick Henry was cool for the Chiefs, and they really got up for it. You know, Frank Clark was very adamant and outspoken that Derrick Henry is just another back, and we're going to tackle him. But this San Francisco offense, their offensive line, George Kittle, and their run game, that's a whole different monster. I'd rather take Derrick Henry any day of the week. And as great as he was in the playoffs, I'd go up against Derrick Henry any day of the week before I have to go up against his 49ers run scheme because they can hit you with so many different backs. Now, we don't know the availability of Tevin Coleman. He did injure his shoulder for the 49ers night game. But the 49ers can still throw backs at you, right? Whether it's Raheem Mostert, who we saw having a great game. They can also throw in uh, Matt Breida as well. But then Debo Samuel is really, he's the hybrid. He can run the football. He can be the receiver. And so as much as I salute the Kansas City Chiefs for stopping Derrick Henry and holding him under 70 yards, I think they've got their work cut out for them in terms of how are they going to stop this 49ers running attack. Yeah, I mean, with Derrick Henry is more of a, like a physical mentality. You have to mm-hmm. be up physically to tackle Derrick Henry. But with, with the San Francisco 49ers, it's both because you, you better be mentally locked in because of all the formations and all the, the motions and shifts that you have to deal with. And if you're off in your run fit a little bit, uh, which this offense is designed to make you do, those backs know how to find those creases. And then before you know it, it's going to be a, a 20, 30-yard run before you even get an opportunity to tackle somebody. Uh, so it, it's a much more of a mental game. With, with the 49ers when you're, you're coming up in your run fits and when you're just lining up. Yeah, it's a little bit different, right? It's, they're going to test you. They're going to test your discipline, right? But in Kansas City, uh, they tested, you know, Tennessee early on. And, they, look, the game was kind of in the balance for the most part. We saw Tennessee go up early. But I said this, though, Ted, when you start doing tackle eligibles, right, when you start doing some of the gimmick stuff and you get out to a lead early on, I, I'm thinking in the back of my head, don't like get carried away with that because you still got to go out and execute. You still got to go out there and play. And just in the second half, they could never just fully get that stop that they needed, right? They needed a stop or two. They just never got it. And so Patrick Mahomes and that offense, when you just saw, they just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. They put up 35 points pretty much like after going scoreless in the first half, right? And didn't score in the third quarter. I mean, sorry, they didn't score in the first quarter barely, and they didn't score score in the third quarter. That's how crazy it is for me to think that they can put up points with anyone, and I'm trying to just figure it out. Wait, how will they attack this 49ers offense when they don't take long to score as many times as they did? Yeah, they're kind of like the uh, the Golden State Warriors. Oh, where, yeah. You know, they can have little scoreless spurts, and then all of a sudden they're going to have their big run, and then before you know it, they have you know, three or four touchdowns on you. So it, they're a dangerous team. They're a big play offense, and they're a dangerous team like that. And um, the big key is just Patrick Mahomes is able to extend plays, and uh, you know, when got, nothing's open deep, he extends the play, and all of a sudden – you know, Tyreek Hill is running back for a comeback and catching a 15-yard comeback uh, while he's on a run making a no-look pass. Uh, so, you know, with this Chiefs offense, you have to stop the secondary part of the offense as well as the first part. You know, the Niners are going to have to spend a lot of time working on uh, stopping off-script plays, and that, that's not easy to do against 
uh, the speed of these uh, Chiefs wide receivers. You have to cover them for not just the first five seconds of the play. You have to cover them for an additional three, four seconds. And and as you know, as a defender, that's extremely hard to do. Yes, it's extremely, extremely hard to do. Uh, Ted, before we wrap this one up, though, um, I want to before we close out on this game between Tennessee and Kansas City. Uh, what did you make of just Andy Reid and the just the, the the flow of the game, the way he called the game, and then also on the defensive side, right? As this team, the Chiefs, head into a Super Bowl, right? They've got Coach Spagnolo, right, mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and and what does you know does he bring in having gone up against a juggernaut offense before, and the Patriots many years ago when he was the D coordinator you know, back for the the uh, New York Giants. So he's been there before. I'm kind of interested to see um, what kind of game plan that both coaches have. But what do you think or what did you see from them and the way that they called this game against the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, I, With Andy Reid, I didn't see a huge difference in the way he call, called games. You see a lot of the same concepts. Um, obviously, he has a lot of window dressing that he puts on his plays, but – a lot of four strong, like they'll have trips and they'll motion up back into that side and you're going to have four strong on one side and if you don't have enough coverage to the four wide receiver side, then they're going to hit you uh, on the you know, on that side. And if you bring too much coverage on that side, that they'll, you'll have to single up Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey on a backside. Uh, so they present you with a lot of those problems and it's kind of the opposite of the um, the, the Niners game plan, right? They, they barely run the ball. Um the, the Chiefs barely run the ball, and we, we thought that they would have to really get their run game going to make a deep playoff run, but they've they really been able to just pass over and over again and, and still just win off the arm of, of Patrick Mahomes. And on a defensive side, Spags just really solidified that defense because in years past, um, you, you knew exactly what the Chiefs were going to do on defense every down. Right. They're going to play... Mm-hmm. Cover one, they're going to play two man, and you you know exactly what matchups you you want. You can create what matchups you want, and they were they were so predictable. And, and they on top of that, they sometimes they, even if they're predictable, they they wouldn't be where they needed to be. So they they've just been a mess on defense all these years. And and Spags really came in, made the defense very multiple. They're a pattern match team. They could play multiple coverages. Uh, they don't as as far as talent wise, they're not the best defensive team. But they're organized. They tackle. They're, they're where they're supposed to be, and they're they, they they limit the big plays. And they're a solid defense. I wouldn't say they're a good defense, but they're they're a pretty solid defense. And that's all you need with this this Kansas City um, offense. Yeah, I agree with you. They, you don't need much, right? And they play great complementary football. And then just the additions, right? Like I said, we got so much time to really talk and dive into and really break down both squads, right? Just kind of keep picking back one more time with Kansas City, like the addition of Terrell Suggs, you know, through almost three quarters of a season and you can bring him in, right? And then all of a sudden Tyra Matthew picking him up in this offseason and how well he's played. And then Frank Clark, you know, they their acquisition in this offseason. So, so many guys that we're going to be able to highlight over the next week and a half, couple weeks as we prepare for this Super Bowl, Super Bowl 54 in Miami, San Francisco 49ers taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, man. It's going to be a fun one. I can't wait to, uh, like I said, break this film down and just kind of see, you know, where I'm going to be leaning at. Because right now, I do not have a, a winner, right? I'm going to save it, Ted. I'm going to save it for another week. But right now, uh, I just don't know who's going to win this game. Yeah, it's 
a really close call. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, for Ted to win, I'm Kirk Morrison. This has been Run the Film on the Athletic Podcast Network. See y'all next week.